roughly 258,000 jobs were going to be added for the month. And I think the real shocker that really like jaws dropped, I imagine people fell out of their chairs. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to While We Were Working, the weekly show that helps you tackle tough topics that are in your small business, your startup, or if you're just one of those highly engaged people leaders, no matter the size of your business, we've got something for you to know too. As always, I'm Joey Price. I'm the founder of Jumpstart HR and one of the co-hosts on the show. I'm always joined by Summer Keytron, our consulting practice manager. So this week, we've got a great episode that you don't want to miss. We're talking about ways to fast track an interview process and why that's important. Plus, we're going to kind of go and do a part two of our last week's episode where we talked about how to support uh, working families at work. But now we're going to make it somewhat seasonal and talk about the transition that all of us have as employees. When we go from the summertime into the fall and what that looks like around, you know, back to school season. So Summer, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. I will say that in preparation for today's episode, I totally nerded out over some of the, the jobs report. So I'll try not to get too nerdy, um, but definitely thrilled to share some of this information and, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Joe, it looks like you have your vacation shirt on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've actually got a shirt that's full of flamingos, and I'm just not ready for summer to end yet. So uh, I am wearing my summer attire, my vacation attire, in celebration of you know one of my favorite seasons of the year. Uh, so I'm just gonna hold on to this to this moment as long as I can. And maybe look at this show in December and reminisce of all the fun things I did over the summer. Oh, I'm so glad. And it just dawned on me that if you are a listener on one of uh, your one of the podcast channels, to also know that you can catch this in video form on LinkedIn and YouTube. And gosh, I'm not sure all of the places we're popping up these days. But if you're just listening to us, know that there is a video of this very podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can see all of our uh, our funny outfits. All right. So let's get talking about this week's uh, While We Were Working segment. And this segment of While We Were Working is uh, an article from Recruiting Daily. And it is a article from August 8th. 2022, and it's entitled 11 Ways to Fast Track Interview Scheduling. Now, let's go ahead and set the table first and foremost before we dive into the heart of the article. 
Summer, why would it be important to fast track interview scheduling? Well, I appreciate that you asked because I'm a big fan of always answering the why, right? When clients ask questions or team members ask questions, it's not just giving them the answer, but also laying that foundation of why this is important. And I hinted at it a little bit earlier. There was the July jobs report that came out last month. And to kind of backtrack a little bit further, you know, it was announced that essentially the 22 million jobs that were lost as the result of the pandemic have been recovered. And as you know, there's analysts who each month they make their best estimates on how many jobs are anticipated to be gained. So they they will say, okay, in July, like we're expected payroll, which are essentially new job counts. Um, to grow by a certain number. So here's the real kicker, though, Joey, is that, you know, these analysts predicted that, you know, roughly 258,000 jobs were going to be added for the month. And I think the real shocker that really, like, jaws dropped, I imagine people fell out of their chairs. They predicted 258,000 jobs but there were over 528,000 jobs added in July. Well, so uh, I'm not an economist. So I won't even pretend to play one on the show. But um, I wonder, I, I won't ask you to answer this, but I wonder how much of that is is seasonal work or something of that nature where, yeah, it still counts towards the payroll numbers, but will those jobs be there in uh October and November when I'm no longer wearing my flamingo polo shirt. Uh, I'm just I'm just curious and I'll be interested to to track the the trends along the way. Cause that's a big that's a big deal. That's half a million jobs. It is. And without trying to dive into too much of the details, yes, there's some adjustments for um, the seasonal jobs, but there's also a lot of debate, and that's like other articles uh, that that one would need to read a lot of debate as to the accuracy of the number. But, you know, I think the takeaway from this is that we have had strong job growth, you know, whether it's double what the analysts predicted, maybe we'll find out more as folks start sleuthing into some of the data further. But I think the biggest takeaway for employers is that, you know, even with talks of a recession looming, even with talks of e- inflation at, you know, staggering numbers and companies that we've already heard about starting to do layoffs, the biggest takeaway is that the job market is still super strong. And that if you are recruiting for talent right now, you can't let your foot off the gas. So that brings us to this article, right? That even with all of this happening, if you're hiring for new positions, you still need to be super sharp and you need to be looking at ways if you haven't already to fast track your interview scheduling. So I say we start talking about some of those tips and some of the things that companies can do to make that a reality. Yeah, let's let's do it because let's not get it twisted. You know, in the to use the real estate language, it's still a uh, buyer's market in the sense that the uh, employees still have, um, or the the prospects kind of have the upper hand. There are a lot of opportunities, and even though you know, I see articles from time to time about the tech industry and there being layoffs and there being uh, hiring freezes. 
you know, you can't just look at one industry and think that it applies to all because even as you break down the job market, some uh, industries are doing way better than others. And so you have to even know where your industry stands. And so, Summer, what are some tips that people can learn from the article about how to fast track the recruiting process? And um, what are some of the suggestions that you have too? Well, I love some of these tips because they are uh, definitely uh, things that I've used that we've recommended to our clients to use. And I think uh, the biggest takeaway is that if you hear a suggestion on this list and you're not currently doing it, um, your competitors probably are. So it's definitely worth considering. So uh, the number one, um, not necessarily uh, most important, but just number one, the first one on the list is uh, to customize your interview invite templates. And so um, if you have a like a system that you're already using, you may be able to build it out as a template in there. And if not, then you could, uh, you know, simply just drop it in a Word doc and um, just cut and paste it. But having a template one is going to save you time. But some of the information that you should be including in it is also an FAQ of the questions that you receive from candidates. So again, it's just kind of speeding up the time frame of back and forth questions about like, is this going to be on Zoom or is it a phone call? You know, simple things that can eliminate the back and forth. That's number one, customizing that interview template with an FAQ. Yeah, I, th I think the more you can address questions, the more you can create a frictionless experience and get people excited. You know, um, we kind of look at it from the other side in a separate role uh, for business development for us, right? So we're even looking about what are some of the things we can do to answer questions up front? What are some of the questions people may have if they're uh, unsure about working with us? And the same goes in the recruiting space because part of the value of doing this is communicating your employer brand as well. What are the things you prioritize? What are the things you don't? Uh, how good is your communication? How bad is your communication? So right. uh, an FAQ says, hey, here are the cards. We're laying them out. We're going to fulfill the promises along the way. And we just want you to know that we value you. So we're going to put your name in this email. and It's not going to be, you know, a, a BCC. <laughs> Right. Or, right. or, or, you know, something that looks like a bot. <laughs> so true. And I think that's a really great analogy that you used. I'm often uh, saying we need to do everything possible to make it as easy as possible for either a prospect in the example that you shared or a candidate to say yes, right? And to say yes quickly as opposed to, well, maybe, but let me send them an email asking like, how does, how is this going to work? At that point, you've already put yourself at a disadvantage, whether it's on the sales side or on the candidate, on the candidate prospect side. So number two is, and this one's so important. I feel like we talk about this internally with our clients so frequently, and it's maybe sometimes uh, overlooked how important it can be, but it is, clearly defining the job requirements up front. I mean, how many times have 
you had a hiring manager say, well, let me just shoot you over a couple of bullets and just post this and see what we get. That's a terrible approach. Well, I remember uh, that's the uh, post and pray. That's the post and pray strategy. Right. And so perhaps, Joey, if we were having this conversation a couple of years back, um, companies were still doing that and perhaps having some relative success, right? Because the competition for that same candidate was a bit different. And while I still don't think that's an effective approach, for some it was working. And so maybe that's why they continue to use it. But now when we think about speed to hire being one of the most effective strategies for not having to get into bidding war for the same candidate with other employer, one, you need to ensure that you're not wasting your time or the time of candidates for a job that's not a good fit. But just that process of, okay, we've gone through candidates that have applied to this position. We didn't really have a lot of them that were a good match. So let's go back and rewrite the job posting. Like you've already lost so much time. And if you did have any candidates, they're likely not going to be a good match. So very, very important part of the process. Yeah, I think um, this is such an important conversation because one thing that I see with 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 clients that we work with, and even just you know, summer, I'm, I'm sure when you're out and about with friends or or folks that may be hiring, that there's always that you know, back in my day, we we did seven interviews and we uh, you know had panels and. You know, we really had to get the the recruit through the ringer. Um, I, I even think of that that uh, that saying, "Hire, hire slow and fire fast." I think now we have to revisit that hire slow and fire fast to say, hire efficiently, train effectively, and then fire when there's no no chance that the person's going to to work out. So now. Part of it is, you know, getting the right people and getting to the right person quickly, but then realizing that there's a, a responsibility you have as a hiring manager to train, develop, and coach your way of success uh, and making sure that the, 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 the hire works out. That's solid advice. And I would also say that when we think about some of the things that can uh, help fast track the interview scheduling process, I would say... Um, One of the kind of older school practices is, well, we really want to see more than one candidate because we don't know how they compare. And I'm here to say that um, that approach is going to put a company at a serious disadvantage because, you know, you're looking for the grass to be greener or you want to see if the grass is greener. And I'm going to say that also that if that's your approach, your grass is going to probably die before you have the chance to see if the other option is greener. I, I got to get on my soapbox here because that that is such a, a big pain point. And, and I want to make it clear for those who are paying attention to the show, and you're paying attention because you care about a great experience. Otherwise... Uh, a, a show about HR wouldn't even be of interest to you in the first place. But your comparison, when you're evaluating candidates, you're, you're not evaluating them to other people. 
You're evaluating them to the job description and the culture of your organization. So it doesn't behoove you to, you know, wait until you get all candidates and then you want to see some more and then you want to date some more. No, you want to find the person that best aligns with the job description, not the one who who dresses better than the other or communicates better than another or, you know, has a, a degree from this school versus that one. No, you're aligning to the job. You're aligning to the job, the job, the job. So um, I got to get off my soapbox, but but that is something that if if I see a, can, uh, um, a client try that approach, like oh, we're going to be here for a while because it's not going to work, and the best candidates are going to are going to are going to be gone. Yes, and you know it always pains me when uh, you know when when we actually have to uh, kind of watch this happen before. Uh, maybe a client or a hiring manager is willing to trust that what we're saying is true. But sometimes that, you know, that that's kind of the, the way that it might go. The last item that I wanted to chat about on this topic specifically was just one last tip, because if you go and read this article, there there's 11. We just don't have time to cover them all. But one of the other tips that is a time saver is, um, and it's kind of a two part. One is finding out blocks of time from the individuals that are going to be participating in the interview process uh, and having them already pre-blocked out so that if you talk to a hot candidate, you think that they uh, definitely need to be scheduled for an interview, then before you get off of the call with them, you could say, hey, well, we'd like to talk to you again. And the, the next person in the process has Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at these times available, which one can we book you for? That's one option. And the other one is also still having the folks in, uh, that are part of that interviewing process block out their times, but then setting them up with a scheduling tool like a Calendly so that you can just shoot that off and uh, the candidates can then just pick a time that works for them that's going to like definitely expedite the back and forth of that traditional email communication process. You nailed it. You nailed it. These are tips to be very efficient and make sure that you get the right candidate. So uh, we could go on and on. Maybe we'll do another episode on talent acquisition, which seems to be top of mind for a lot of people based on uh, reviews and metrics that we track behind the scenes. So we want to give the people what they want. That is a great transition into giving people what they want as we transition from one season to another. Um, we'll go ahead and jump into Consultants Corner, which is our weekly uh, stories and lessons and practical applications from the trenches, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. This week, we're kind of playing off of, of last week's episode where we talked about uh, working parents and how your organization can be more working parent friendly. Well, it's back to school time. Kids are going back to school. We are sort of shifting our uh, mental focus into closing out the year strong. So Summer, uh, what are some things people can do to help employees ease back into the school year, whether that's from a, a childcare standpoint 
or just that mental shift that happens this time of year. I think there are two there are two mental shifts that happen. There's the one when um, kids go back to school, and then there's the other at the top of the year. I think those are the big mental shifts that happen for workers uh, at jobs. But what are your thoughts? There's definitely a lot of mental shifts occurring. And just real quickly before I dive into what uh, you know, what some of the things companies can do. I wanted to uh, just also mention that the way this topic came about was actually uh, partially from a conversation that I was having with one of our clients who said that they wanted to make sure that they did everything possible for um, the individuals, whether it's um, mothers or fathers who are actually coming off of maternity leave and easing their transition back into the workplace. And I thought, my gosh, like I'm, you know, that's, that's an amazing idea. We can help execute that. And then it, this, that was just kind of a broader, you know, this is just a broader expansion of it makes sense that, you know, companies who really want to take care of their team members are finding ways to make it easier for them to handle these life transitions. And when it comes to returning back to school, uh, I think there's uh, a lot that companies can do that maybe they aren't currently doing that would definitely help make that a little a uh, little less painful. So first tip that I have is um, hopefully uh, companies know who in their workforce uh, have school age children. I think that's important. You need to understand uh, your team members and what their needs are and what's going to help them. And reaching out to these individuals and finding out, you know, proactively, hey, um, can, you know, can we help uh, schedule out and have coverage for you to take a vacation day or a different schedule for um, the first week or if longer um, of back to school? But the overarching message here is just truly like find what would help your team members. And to the extent that a company is able to find a way to make it happen. And if you can be proactive as opposed to waiting for your team members to ask for this, then companies really get some serious bonus points for doing something that's in most cases pretty easy to do. And an alternative to this is also kind of a ramp from shifting to um, either part-time or fewer hours at the beginning of the school year and then ramping them back up to full-time. I think those are all very doable arrangements for most companies if they are intentional about having a process like this in place. Someone may be listening to this conversation and saying, oh, well, we're bending over backwards or giving luxuries. But I think in this era of employment, where we just started off the conversation with how tough it is to uh, get candidates because there's such a competition for the great ones, we also have to think about what that means for creating accommodating workforces for the talent that we do have. And so I wouldn't look at this as like a luxury or going above and beyond. I'd say it's, you know, these are strategic things that we could be doing to ensure that we have the the workforce that works well for us and um, keeping them excited and engaged and a part of our team versus entering someone else's interview process. Right, right. And it is getting that competitive. So 
uh, I would definitely encourage companies to consider how they can make this a reality. Because if you're, and I always use the example of if you are doing it and your competitors aren't, then you're going to have that advantage when you're trying to recruit for the same talent. And so it may come down to something just as simple as this that tips the scale. So I think there's a lot of reasons uh, and that no longer is the idea of a paycheck should be enough. Those days are long gone. So companies really need to be looking for these these ways that they can uh, increase the experience for their team members. The next idea that I wanted to share was uh, kind of the the concept of surprise, um, surprise and delight your team. And so, you know, this, this can be either for in-person teams or modified for those that may be remote. But the idea is um, during this, you know, kind of back to school change of seasons um, timeframe, like offer the team something, it doesn't have to be big, but just something that they would benefit from um, and that they would be excited about. So things that come to mind for um, especially tired parents is maybe you offer Starbucks gift cards or maybe even food delivery card to where like they don't need to make lunch or dinner one day. One of my personal favorites that a company I used to work with offered was once a week for in office, five minute chair massage. So I know that kind of weird some people out, especially, you know, with like some of the infectious diseases happening, but you know, perhaps when we get to a place where um, it's a little bit safer, those are really cool perks that individuals actually really enjoy. But it just depends on your workforce. Yep, yep. And uh, in the absence of you know these physical things, there are things that we can do. Physical, as in like like being in the place, not like in the absence of a massage or anything like that. But but um, you can think of some creative things to do for your virtual or remote team members that would be just as beneficial. I think um, one thing we did that was pretty cool was our ice cream social, where we just kind of spent some time, uh, gave folks a stipend to go get their favorite treat and just hang out for a little bit. So I think there are things you can do for your remote population. There are things you can do for your uh, in-person population. The, the the bigger thing is just to to put those balls in motion and figure out and, and commit to doing them. Absolutely. I'm so excited to share with you this next item. It's something that I've actually seen um, help with team building, help with community and involvement, um, just overall um, help support the community and the team members. And that is the idea of scheduling a backpack or school supply fundraiser. And this can be large, it can be small, but the idea behind it is to help fill backpacks in the beginning of the school year with uh, school supplies that you know, I don't know about you, Joey, but I've seen that list grow over the years that it went from like maybe, you know, each kid needs like, you know, $10 worth of stuff and the school provides the rest to, you know, now for two kids, you're probably going to spend over $100 for school supplies. 
you know, if a company was able to do something like that, or even provide a stipend available, I think those are things that could really go a long way. An alternative to this um, that may be um, easier for some companies to do is actually sponsoring a classroom teacher's wish list. So, you know, teachers bear a lot of expenses themselves. And I think helping the community, helping the schools, and also indirectly helping, you know, your team members and their students in these schools, those type of things, they go a long way. They do. They do. And it builds the camaraderie. It builds the uh, retention. And it adds to uh, proof that your your employer values you as a person and values other people too, because you may be a person without school-aged children and you're like, wow, I can't believe my company does this because we are supporting you know, other people. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good move. It's a good move. It is. And if you're listening to this episode and you didn't catch us last week, I encourage you to scroll through the list and follow, um, listen to, to the episode that Joey and I did that is somewhat related. It talks about things that companies are doing to help with working parents and childcare, because there is definitely some overlap. Uh, But another point that I wanted to make on these back to school tips is just thinking about uh, other small things companies can do, you know, scheduling a back to school event, maybe that if you're in person is, you know, it's perhaps a small happy hour, maybe it's a fun event that includes the kids like the ice cream socials, or um, just really any other small activities, if you are in person uh, to bring the bring everyone together. And if you're remote, there's also uh, a wide variety of activities that you can do um, still uh, from the comfort of your home to bring everybody together. But don't overlook the value of coordinating an event of that sort as well. No doubt. All right. So you heard the message uh, this week. You're going to create a more efficient recruiting process and you're going to manage the transition from summer to fall and back to school with not only your uh, employees with parents or sorry, your employees with children. Uh, but but those who are just in the workforce as well. If you need help with any of those things, or if we've sparked an idea that you'd like to unpack with us, go ahead and reach out to us at jumpstart-hr.com, where we're happy to provide our services to benefit your team. So as always, Summer, thanks for joining me on the Wild We Were Working show, and I will see you all next week. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and coworkers. And as always, you can find more info and additional resources at whilewewereworking.com. We